Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Buzz on Book Biz. Today, my guest for this podcast is Thomas Umstadt. He is an award-winning speaker on the subject of marketing and technology and combining all of those with books. As a podcaster, he has two shows, The Novel Marketing Podcast and The Christian Publishing Show. He started a blog in 2009, which was called Author Tech Tips. And by 2011, it had grown from a blog into the company now known as authormedia.com. And he's going to share with us some of what he has learned over the years about marketing books. So welcome to Thomas. Thanks, Rochelle. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about what got you interested in books uh, as a career in the first place. So when I was in college, I started writing a book and I was in business school and taking um, mostly marketing classes. I had a marketing emphasis and I went to a writer's conference and I went to the obligatory marketing talk and the um, lady was on the stage talking about how authors need to get a blog and they need to get a website and everyone was looking around terrified and they're like, how do we do that? Who can we get to help us? And the lady on stage was just like, find a five-year-old in my neighborhood. I found a high school student who set mine up for me and that's what you need to do, which is really terrible advice because even if you find a smart high school student, they're going to go off to college and they won't be emailing you back when you need help. And so I was like, well, I turned to an author I started making friends with at that first conference. I was like, I've build, been building websites since I was 13 years old. I'll, I'll be happy to build you a website and built her website. She had me build websites for all of her author friends. I went to a, another writer's conference and I had people buying author websites for me sight unseen. They'd never met me before, never heard me heard of me before, and they were writing me checks at the writer's conference. And so I was like, huh, maybe there's more need for my marketing help than there is for the book that I thought I was going to write. And uh, so we every year we built more websites than the year before. And after a while, I had 12 people working with me in the office building author websites and uh, got to learn kind of from the inside, working with both traditionally published authors, independently published authors, uh, literary agents, New York Times bestsellers, and folks just getting started. So I really got a great education working with authors at all different levels, helping them execute their marketing campaigns in addition to building the website. Because once you build a website for an author and they see that you're a tech expert, they start going to you for everything. (laughs) So we very quickly had to learn how to do book launches and how to do all the rest of it. Well, good for you for being in the right place at the right time and uh, spotting a need that you could fill and turning that into a profitable business. So over the last 11 years that you have been doing this kind of work, I'm sure you can comment on the changes that there has been in the publishing world as it pertains to marketing. So just tell us a little bit about how that has evolved. Yeah, so 11 years ago, the big hot thing that everyone was just getting started learning about was social media. And in those days... Uh, the social media landscape was really different. And you can actually, in some cases, for some authors, build a platform on social media. That's no longer true. It actually hasn't been true for about five or six years. It's really interesting. Right about the time people started teaching on social media, finally, is about the time it stopped working. (laughs) So um, back in 2015, Facebook made some changes to their algorithm where your posts no longer get seen by everyone. And all of the other major social networks have made similar changes, including Twitter, where now content is filtered. And if you want to be uh, have your content show up to your fans, especially promotional content, you have to pay. So even if the memes and fun images that you're posting to Facebook get uh, engagement, 
when you do finally post that link to your book on Amazon, it won't get engagement. Facebook hides it from almost everybody. And uh, Facebook's become a really terrible place to build a platform. And yet a lot of authors are still doing it. And so that's that's been the biggest change because while Facebook was a good strategy in 2010, it's not a good strategy in 2020. And some people are still on that old model of thinking, of thinking that platform building has to be social media. And that's not true. So what has replaced social media? Uh, email and podcasts and blogs. Blogs worked and they continue to work if, if you're good at blogging. A, a lot of authors never learned how to blog. They assumed that because they knew how to write a book, they knew how to blog. It's a similar skill set, but it's also a very different skill set. And uh, those things work. And there's a lot of other things that work um, in terms of finding ways of making a direct connection with your audience. Public speaking uh, still works. Um, being a guest on other people's podcasts still works. The real question is not what works and what doesn't because uh, what works and what doesn't depends on you and depends on your book and <laughs> depends on your genre. The real question is uh, you ask, who are my target audience? Who are my target readers? And where do they hang out online and where can I reach them? So if you're targeting teenage boys, that might be YouTube. If you're targeting teenage girls, uh, it's probably Instagram or Snapchat. And how you reach them on Instagram is um, really tricky because Instagram, unlike Facebook, doesn't even let you post a link to your book until you have 10,000 fans. And so you have to really get popular. Another thing that's shifted is social media is now no longer a way to get famous. It's a way for people who are already famous to interact with the fans they already have. So you got to find some way of getting famous. You got to get on America's Idol or eat some disgusting foods on Fear Factor, (laughs) do something to get famous if you want to make social media work for you. Well, you haven't mentioned TikTok. I have a niece who had uh, 38, I want to say 1,000, but somehow million is in my head, followers over one post. Um, and she's a young woman in her early 20s. And that was got the attention of TikTok. Someone at TikTok actually contacted her about, <laughs> about her post. Anyway, um, so... Would you say that there are specific tactics then for marketing that an author should use depending on the genre of their book? Absolutely. Uh, Different genre readers hang out in different places. There's a few tactics that apply to pretty much every author. Every author still needs a website. Somebody Googles your name, you want to control what they see. So you need to rank for your own name. And ideally, you want to rank for your book title too. Because if you don't, that will be controlled by somebody else. And that's a really scary thing. Somebody Googles your name and they find somebody else with the same name or worse, a hit site. And I have a client who uh, has a hit site on his name. And if you go to hisname.org, it's a website all about how terrible he is written by his enemies. Um, You don't want that. So it's important to own your own domain name and, and control your brand and your presentation. And that's true even if you're writing academic and children's, everybody needs a website. The other thing that is a tactic that works for almost everyone is email. Email worked 20 years ago. It worked 10 years ago. It worked five years ago. It has always worked. It's the biggest social network of readers enjoy getting interesting emails from authors. Uh, You do have to write good emails. They have to be beneficial. They have to be entertaining. Uh, But email has has always converted really well. In fact, while I was a marketing director at a publishing company, I skipped that part of my intro. I I worked as a marketing director for a traditional publishing house. We did a lot of experiments as to what works and what doesn't. And some certain tactics like BookBub and price pulsing work really well. But we found that email is 10 to 100 times more effective at converting 
into actual book sales than social media. A hundred times is a lot. <laughs> so I'd rather have a hundred people on an email list than 10,000 people uh, liking my page on Facebook. But then you also have to have a list. And so um, I know, I know because I'm in the marketing world too, that you have to grow that list and nurture that list and manage that list. And growing the list is probably the hardest thing to do, but there are definite good strategies for doing that too. That's right. For nonfiction, it's pretty straightforward. You just blog on your topic and then you create a resource guide or some printable or white paper uh, ebook that is connected with your topic. And then you feature it on your blog. And the blog, if you're writing good blog posts, people will share them one-on-one. You'll start to rank for various search phrases. That introduces you to new people. And then as people read your blog, they want to get that free thing. And then it gives you opportunity to get to know them better. For fiction, a lot of those steps are the same. The challenge is the initial discovery because people aren't typing in fiction-related keywords into Google. So you have to kind of go out to them initially. So that might mean Facebook ads. It may mean um, guesting on podcasts. Uh, it may mean doing something like booksweeps.com or some kind of giveaway. Uh, but ultimately, you want to get them onto your email list in exchange for a free short story. And that short story introduces them to your wonderful writing. And it had better be wonderful writing. There's no skipping <laughs> the craft part of this process. What about the idea of, of an author having a podcast and reading some of their work on their podcast? Do you think that's a good idea? So believe it or not, authors have been doing that for over a decade. Uh, so Scott Sigler uh, wrote... Uh, medical horror books and he, he collected over a hundred rejections. No one would publish him. So he started podcasting his book, one chapter, an episode. And he grew such a following for his podcast that he ended up getting a five book deal with Random House and hitting the New York Times bestseller list. And I remember walking into a Barnes and Noble one time and seeing his books face me at, at the door of the Barnes and Noble. That's the most best spot <laughs> that you can get in a Barnes and Noble. And he got there with his podcast and he got there by reading a, a chapter a week. And he did that in, I want to say, 2008. So this is a tactic that's worked for a long time. A lot of people don't realize this, but podcasting is older than Facebook. It's older than Twitter. It started uh, around the time MySpace started, maybe even a little before MySpace. MySpace, on when you count, oh my goodness. It's the beginning. <laughs> so uh, podcasting is not some new tactic. Uh, and a lot of people are getting into podcasting recently, but... Uh, you're on a very firm foundation of very slow growth year over year. It's not a fad that came out of nowhere. That's really interesting. So what would be your advice that you would give to a writer who might be sitting in the audience right now? Maybe they have written a book, but they haven't figured out where to publish, or maybe they have written a book, published it, but it went nowhere. They, they've gotten sort of discouraged about the whole thing. So I recently did an episode on novel marketing called The Ten Commandments of Book Marketing. And commandment number nine is thou shalt not publish thine first book first. And this is, I think, a mistake a lot of authors make. They write a book and then they go out trying to find readers for that book. And they don't understand what the purpose of that first book is. And that purpose of that first book is to help them become an author, to learn how to write a book. Uh, it's like you don't go and run for the Olympics in your very first race. You don't publish the very first book that you write. And if you look at the kind of stories of successful authors, this is true of pretty much all of them. They all have a book or two or 10 in the drawer that are not published. Sometimes they come back later with their newfound skills, kind of like the hobbits returning to Hobbiton with their newfound skills and you know redeem it. But more often than not, they're like, 
they now have the eyes to see that it wasn't the masterpiece they thought it was and they never do anything with it. Uh, and if you're not doing that, if you're like, this is a masterpiece, my first book ever is a masterpiece, then you're going to end up facing a lot of rejection and frustration. And, and a common story is an author writes a book, they think it's a masterpiece, then they go and hire some editing. The editors are always really complimentary because the editors are getting paid. Then they take it and try to get an agent. They get a bunch of rejections and they're like, oh, the traditional publishing world, they won't accept my greatness. I'm going to go Indian. So then they go Indian, nobody buys it. And then they're like, ah, oh, I must be terrible. It's like, none of those things are true. <laughs> it's like, uh, all you needed to do is go back and write another book. And, and after going through that editing process and learning from the editors and read a few more books on crafting, just get better at writing. And if you're doing nonfiction, I would say do all of that, but you really got to be growing that blog. You need to learn how to hold someone's attention for a blog post and get them to be so excited after that blog post, they want to share it. Because if you can't get them to read your blog for free, how on earth are you going to be able to get them to pay to read your book? <laughs> so you got you to be faithful in the little things first. Well, that's very good advice. And I don't know that there are many authors out there that understand the notion of taking the time to write the second book to get better at the craft. And, you know, I think, you know, the game changer was Amazon, where now anybody and everybody who believes that they're a writer can actually publish their book by themselves and say, oh, I'm an author. I have a book on Amazon. And whether or not people actually buy it or not, they can still say, I'm a published author. <laughs> so there is this unusual spectrum of the book space that we're in right now. And you also have these people that are getting to be international bestsellers on Amazon in the first 24 hours that their book is has been launched on Amazon. And I know there's some interesting strategies of how to actually pull that off, but that's a far cry from being a New York Times bestseller, right? And so so we we live in an interesting time when it comes to book marketing and book promotions. It's true. And I, I want to say indie authors can make a lot of money. As, as a marketing book marketing person, I work with authors who are New York Times bestseller, traditionally published authors who are making six, seven digits. And I work with indie authors who are making the same money. <laughs> they're not selling as many copies, but they're making so much more money per copy that they end up making the same or better money than the traditional published authors. I also know of many authors who aren't making any money with both strategies. So don't listen to anyone who says, you know, tradition, traditional publishing is for the dogs. Nobody makes money with that. Not true. And don't listen to anyone saying the opposite. It's like, oh, indie publishing, that's only vanity publishing. No one's, you know, making an impact there. It's like, no, there are certain genres that have been almost completely taken over by the indie authors. And if you look at the bestseller list, especially in ebook and audiobook, you'll see them dominated by uh, independent authors in those bestseller lists. So a lot of the various romance categories have now been taken over by the indies. Um, military sci-fi has been taken over by the indies. And, and others. And one advantage of independent publishing is that you're able to respond to trends more quickly. So for really trend-based genres, the indies actually have an advantage. Whereas in other genres like nonfiction, like business nonfiction, it's really hard to have a successful business nonfiction book that's independently published if your goal is to hit a bestseller list and sell a lot of copies. Now, if you're a lawyer and you're just trying to get more clients and the fact that only you know 100 people bought your book, but if 20 of them go on to be your clients that may be half a million dollars. <laughs> so you're okay with the fact you only sold a million copies. So a lot also depends on what your goals are. That's true. Uh, I actually help business 
owners that want to write a book for their business. And uh, the the goal usually is to raise their credibility, their authority, and visibility uh, within their industry. And it's it's not uh, a money maker. It's not that's not the goal. And um, but it does help with them with those other things, the credibility, becoming a thought leader, all that good stuff, right? So um, it's interesting though that you point out that. There's different strategies and approaches for different kinds of books, and it also depends on what you want the book to do for you. And so if you're a coach, for instance, a business coach, life coach, you might want to invest in spending the money to publish and print your own books simply because you want to hand them out at the end of your workshop or your public speaking or whatever that opportunity is. And for you, it's it's like an elaborate business card, right? Um, and other people have very, very different goals through their books. So what else would you say to a, a, a somebody really wrestling with the traditional versus indie approach? So there's pros and cons of both. Um, one of the cons of indie is that it's cash expensive. You have to go out of pocket ahead of time. Um, there's the things that everybody has to pay money for. So whether you're indie or traditional, you want to own your own website. And you don't own it unless you pay for it. You want to own your own email list and you don't own it unless you pay for it. So somebody's offering you it for free. You don't own it. They do. So everybody needs to pay for those things, right? If you're printing business cards, you got to pay for the business cards. Um, But the difference is, is that for a traditionally published author, that's where the expenses stop, generally speaking. Their publisher pays for the editing. The publisher pays for the typesetting and for the cover and for the developmental edits and the copy edits and the proofreading. And there's a lot of cost that goes into a traditionally published book that the author doesn't see. Not only that, but they get paid right away. So you get a check. Uh, in fact, in nonfiction, you don't even have to have written the book. You can just write a proposal and a few sample chapters and you can get money just for that. You get your advance, you, know, you still have to finish writing the book, but you get paid really early in the process. Whereas for indie authors, it's just the opposite in terms of when you get paid. So you have to pay for the editor. You have to pay for the cover designer. You have to pay for the developmental and copy edits and proofreading and the typesetting or the software and the printing, all of the, the ISBN number. There's lots of costs that you have to cover as an independent author. And that is money that you're in the hole. So at, at first, traditional published authors have money, whereas independent authors don't have money. It's actually part of the reason why I wound down my web development business because as more people went indie, they stopped having money in the bank to buy a fancy website. <laughs> so back in the day of days of traditional publishing, people would get a $5,000, $10,000 advance. And the first thing they do is go buy a website with that advance money. But when they're spending $5,000 on editing and cover, suddenly they're looking to build their website themselves, which is why I now have a course on how to build a website yourself. It's a free course for that kind of author. Um. So that's the, the first difference is you have to ask the question, can I afford to be independently published? Because if you're broke and you're having to do the edits yourself and get the cheapest cover designer you can find and you can't hire um, good professionals to work with you, your book is not going to be successful. Um, and it could hurt your reputation, right? If you're a business person, you put out a really poorly written book, um, then people will read it and they're less likely to work with you instead of more likely to work with you. That said, uh, when once you start selling books, uh, independent authors make a lot more money per copy. So traditional authors make eighty cents. Um, I'm going to say seventy-five cents to a dollar fifty a book, generally speaking. 
Um, and indie authors make between two and five dollars a book. So your per book money is much better as an indie author, but you have all of those upfront expenses that you have to cover first. And so whether or not you actually are profitable depends a lot on how successful your book is. And I will say a lot of traditional contracts uh, give a bigger royalty the more books you sell. So you get a small royalty for the first 10,000 books and then a bigger one for the next 20,000 and then a really big one after, say, 100,000. So there's really a lot of factors to consider for a potentially new author uh, who has a book and wants to figure this publishing world and marketing world out. And so tell us a little bit about what Author Media does. So we primarily provide education. We have the longest running book marketing podcast uh, in iTunes. It's the novel marketing podcast. It's been around since the early days of 2013. Um, which at the time I thought was the late days of podcasting and a lot has changed since then. Back when I was a kid, we chiseled my MP3s <laughs> on stone tablets. Uh, and then I also um, host the Christian Publishing Show. Uh, so those are the two primary things. We have a lot of courses, but the main thing is the free podcast. We have um, a lot of listeners around the world to our free podcast and it's supported by our listeners on Patreon. Wonderful. Well, we will put up the uh, the links to your site and do you have anything coming up, any events or courses coming up in the near future? I'm doing a beta launch of a brand new course called Obscure No More that's all about platform building. So okay. we're going to have a limited uh, release um, for beta students who will get that course as I make it. And we'll be giving feedback and it'll be very interactive. In many ways, this is my kind of ultimate course of everything all in one spot. So instead of building a platform feeling like an internet-wide scavenger hunt, this course is going to put it all there in, in one place. And it combines what I learned being a literary agent, what I learned being a marketing director, and then what I've learned over the last 10 or 11 years working with authors directly and um, puts it all in one spot. So whether it's starting a podcast, starting a blog, public speaking, growing your email list, we'll have sessions on all of those things. Wow, that sounds like a very valuable course. And I know that publishers now are looking for an author to have a platform. And you, if you don't have a platform, you, you might as well forget getting anyone interested in you. And so that should be a really important uh, course. And so I'm happy to be able to promote that uh, on our podcast uh, show notes. We'll put that link in. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today, Thomas. It's been great. I've learned some things. I'm sure the audience has too. And we appreciate what you do. And thanks for hanging in there and marketing books uh, the way that you do. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. So thank you so much for joining us at Buzz on Book Biz. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you did, could you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast? That would be terrific. Information and links about today's guest are in the show notes, and if you'd like to connect with me, please visit my website, rochellewiseman.com, and my email is rochelle at rochellewiseman.com. So until next time, stay safe and read a good book. Bye for now.